Welcome to yet another episode. This is our second episode of the season. And today we're going to be talking about audio description. Have you ever wondered how blind people see mo- or uh, see movies? Well, today all of your curiosity and questions will be answered in this episode. So let's get into it. In this episode, we want to welcome Eric Wickstrom. He does audio description for a living and um, we'll be learning some great stuff today. So let's give a welcome to Eric. Hey Eric, thanks for coming. Hey guys, thanks for thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. All right, so um, Eric, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you get involved with audio description and kind of like what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Eric Wickstrom. As you said, I am the director of audio description for International Digital Center, IDC for short. We're based out of New York and Los Angeles with production studios. I oversee a team of writers and engineers and book and direct all of our voiceover sessions in relation to audio description. Uh, I also do some advocacy work and try to spread the word about audio description the best I can uh, throughout uh, the industry and um, been doing that for about about 11 years I've been doing audio description with IDC for the last five and a half. So that's that's the uh, the short short version of that answer. Okay, that's awesome. Wow, seems like you wear many hats. So what made you get into audio description in the first place? Like, what made you say, this is what I want to do? So about 10, 11 years ago, I was working for... USA Network, part of the NBC Universal umbrella of networks. And at the time, the federal government, the FCC, came in and mandated that we, along with four other cable networks that were in the top five for ratings, start offering audio description, at which point we all looked at each other and asked, what is audio description? <laughs> um, nobody, nobody had ever heard of it. So at that point, it you know, somebody needed, I would, at that point I was working as a, like a post producer, formatting producer, whatever you want to call it. It was a job that I didn't particularly love and I didn't particularly see much future in, not only for myself, but just as a general skill set throughout the industry. So audio description in the beginning was certainly more of a survival instinct for me. I had gone to college for writing. And at the time I thought I could do some voiceover work, which now I know is ridiculous, but at the time, I thought I could write, I could do VO, I could, I had this just this ego that I was like, I could do that, no problem. 
So I kind of volunteered to take it on, not knowing really what it was, but the pieces of it all kind of made sense to me. And again, it was for survival long-term financially uh, for me and my family, I thought. So got into it, uh, learned a lot real quick uh, and realized pretty quickly there's, there's a lot going on. It's not super simple and it's not super easy to do. Um, it takes a lot of skill and it takes a lot of time and dedication and, and all those things, but it certainly interested me. And the, the more we did with it, the more I really began to like it and the more I, I really began to see the value in it. And the more I started to feel like doing this kind of work serves a greater purpose than just yourself. And in some ways, it's certainly a job and it's, um, it's a career for many people. People make a living doing it, but I often say no one gets rich doing it. You have to love it and understand that you're serving a purpose better and bigger than yourself uh, in a lot of ways. And, and it certainly gives a lot of fulfillment. So I kind of I really started falling in love with it and enjoying doing it as well. And then a couple, a couple, four or five years later, after doing it with USA for a while, I had managed to build the largest library of audio description on broadcast television in North America at the time. It's still maybe, I don't know. And then what happened, what I thought was going to happen years earlier, and the reason I started doing it initially, they fired my entire department because the formatting producing, the post-producing side of it, as I was suspecting, was going to go away. It just didn't, it seemed a very outdated thing at the time. So that went away. So I was unemployed and I saw an ad. I don't know if it was, I don't know, no company website, but I kind of wanted to stay with audio description. But at the time it was only in Boston and LA. Uh, there's one other company in New York that does it, but they, they do more children, educational stuff. And they were hiring. I interviewed with them. They did not hire me which turned out to be the, the best thing that's ever happened to my career, to be honest with you. Um, I thought I did really good at the interview and they just didn't want anything to do with hiring me. And then shortly after that, I applied for the job at IDC. They contacted me. The department was very much in its infancy. They were doing maybe two projects a month at the time. They had just started it basically. So they needed somebody to kind of come in and help you know, elevate and, and get it getting up to you know, get it rolling, so to speak. And that's when I came to IDC. And that was, I guess, about five and a half years ago. And that's where I've been since. And, and so we now, you know, we started, again, doing two projects a month. And now we're, you know, some months we're doing 40, 50, maybe more. So uh, it's certainly grown in a short amount of time. And, and I'm very proud. My team is amazing. And, uh, yeah, I, I do believe we're one of the best providers in the, in the world doing this work now. So uh, I'm just really lucky to have a really great team that really care. And they, they really, you know, want to do the work. So that's kind of the genesis of, of, of how I started with it and, and how we've come to this point with it today. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I love audio description. I utilize it when I watch movies, when I watch a series. I mean, if it's available, it's great. As a blind person, um, and uh, I've also done a few professional voiceovers, not with like audio description or anything, but just like, Voiceovers in general, and that was when I was interning at a local studio here in my area. Um, and I've been trying to um, see how I could get involved with doing more voiceovers because, I mean, it's fun. And, uh, you know, it's something for me to do where I can just, like, utilize my voice. I know of a blind voiceover artist or a voiceover actor He's done trailers. I don't know if you know him. His name is Pete Gustin, and I think he's, I think he's in, 
Massachusetts. I'm not sure where he's located. Not, not yeah, no, I'm not familiar with Pete. Oh, okay. Well, he's on TikTok and Facebook. I actually met him on through Facebook or Twitter. I can't remember um, years ago, but uh, he's a blind um, voiceover actor. And he does voiceovers oh, okay. for a living and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, we, we work with quite a few blind talents at IDC. It's something that we've committed to to really doing these last few years. So uh, hopefully I'll cross paths with Pete because I'd certainly like to talk to him. Yeah. So I just want to jump in real quick. So I know when I go to the movies, I my mom or whoever I'm with, if I happen to be with the sighted person, they say that people will stare and will kind of, they think, have the look like, why is a blind person at the movies? So without assuming that our audience knows what we're talking about, can you explain what audio description is? Sure, sure. Uh, it's not just, it's funny, it's, it's getting much more known now, but there's still blind folks out there that don't know what audio description is, uh, strangely enough. It, it's, again, less now, but a few years ago, that was pretty common. Uh, it's still in, within the community. So audio description is a way to fill in information for blind folks. I guess in between the dialogue is, is the best place to say where it goes. So if you're watching a movie or a television show or hopefully soon more and more commercials on television and really everything should be described, but for now, let's concentrate on television and movies. It's if you're watching a movie, there's the dialogue, and then in between the dialogue, a narrator will come on, a secondary voice will come on and describe what's happening in that scene in between the dialogue. So if there's a big action scene where people are fighting and kicking and shooting and stabbing and all that stuff, that you know, that there's nobody saying anything. So if you imagine closing your eyes as a sighted person. And just imagine listening to that scene, you would have no idea what was happening because it's just sounds of kicking and stabbing and punching and shooting. So what we do is we help fill that in for the for the blind audience and let them know what's happening on screen at the time. And it's a feature that can be accessed. Almost every streaming service has it, not all in the same quality, unfortunately, but they have it. And you can usually access it in the settings menu under audio settings or or options you can find it'll say english audio description and you can find it there and again depending on who's providing it and what show it is it can be exceptional or it can be pretty bad but it should be there if you want to check it out and it's not just blind folks using it we also find that uh, children are finding it more and more now and using it my daughter is on the spectrum for autism so she has found it on her own nothing to do with me and she loves it because you know her attention span is not always great so when we watch movies together, she likes having it on because it helps keep track of the characters and the places and, and she doesn't have to focus so hard. And I think most kids, you know, have attention spans like that. So it's great for them. We find sighted people use it uh, for shows like a Game of Thrones or, you know, a fantasy realm type show where there's a lot of characters and places and you have to keep track of it. So we know sighted people turn on our track and listen to to it so they can figure out, oh, right, this is a character, you know, who's this character from from five episodes ago we haven't seen you know and, and keep track of all the characters so we find it very helpful for that we we did a show called the queen's gambit for netflix and my writer steven you know went down a rabbit hole researching the moves and the pieces and all the ends of chess the board and everything and i know that 
I heard from sighted folks too that they use that track to learn how to play chess because of, of how detailed our, our audio track was. So audio description again in its infancy and it's and the reason it was created was for blind folks to to have that information that they wouldn't have otherwise on the screen, but we're finding it it's crossing into other realms as well with people finding it, using it, utilizing it. So it's really just information is what audio description is. And it's it's there for everybody. It's created for blind people, but everybody can utilize it. And you know, we find a lot of people also using it now as like an audiobook or as a podcast. You know, they'll put it on in their commute and and just turn off. They don't want to watch the video on the train or whatever the cover they're commuting or in the car, and they'll just play the AD track. And if it's done well, then it, it really does. It comes across like an audiobook and it sounds really full and amazing and, and you can follow it, or if people are doing work around the house, we hear this a lot too. If people are in the making dinner or doing something and they what they want to listen they just want to listen to it so that that's what it was created for and that's that's what it is and that's how people are using it we find and, and i find i hear new stories all the time about people and how they're using it and, and what they're using it for so hopefully that gives a nice overview for, for anybody not familiar with it oh wow that's amazing i love how um there's like this like universal inclusion or like I'm trying to think of the word and I can't think of the word, but I know, well, I'll explain it, but like, kind of like how the reason why something was invented for like a purpose, but like everybody makes use of it. So like texting was invented for like with deaf people in mind, for example, and now we all text or how, um, when there is like ramps oh yeah we had an episode about all that they're invented uh, for like somebody like in a wheelchair but you know in reality like a mom with a stroller can use a ramp you know with their child or whatever or like um right. hands free like siri that i don't know if it was i don't know if the purpose served somebody with a disability but like everybody uses it so like if you have limited um, like motor skills, you know, you can use your voice or like if you're driving in a car, um, like I said, I can't think of the terminology right now, but I love that something that was made for somebody with a disability in mind can be used by everybody. That's like just the, the, the inclusivity, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. A lot of things that get created for certain purposes or, or you know, cross-functional, you know, people find. So AD is certainly one of them and, and more and more people are finding it. Again, most people, you know, I, I have a conversation weekly about this. Uh, my family, I've been, again, I've been doing this for 11 years. My family still has to be explained what this is, you know, like I've been doing it for so long. So it's, it's still not, I, I'd say common knowledge amongst sighted folks, especially a, but it's, it's getting out there and right. as people are finding it, they're liking it, which is good. And again, if, if it's done well, uh, there goes the fire alarm. Uh, if it goes well, if it does, if it's done well, then then it's definitely useful. If it's done poorly, that's a different story. But uh, but at least it's out there, and you know, it's also you know, it's in museums as well, and people might be you know interested to know that you can listen to audio description in museums. And again, if that's done well, that might give you as a sighted person even that'll give you a lot more information that you would have just on your own walking around looking at things. Uh, it's in live theater as well. Broadway, you know, I know 
they have they have some offerings. I know they're working on doing some more of it and, and increasing the accessibility options in live theater, especially on Broadway in New York. So that's exciting too that that's coming, and I think that'll help. You know, it, the the problem you have a lot of times is is trying to convince people. It's kind of looked upon still as checking a box or some kind of thing that people have to do. They don't really want to do it. And that's where you get a lot of work outsourced to some lesser companies, just getting trying to do it as cheap as possible. And I think the, the conversation always has to be, you know, convincing people that it's actually, it can drive profits because it's not, the conversation we have is it's not, you know, it's not, you're not creating, um, an AV track for one blind person, let's say, because blind people are parts of families and families watch TV together. They go to the movies together. They go to live theater together. They go, they travel in cars together. Advertising is another area where it's really lagging right now with, with AV because, you know, car companies, I'm not selling a car to a blind person. No, but you're selling it to their family. So, you know, you're not just creating this track for this person. You're creating it for, for an entire group of people that exist together as a cohesive unit. So, if you can drive, you know, if you own a, if you're putting a show up on Broadway or any theater really, and a company, you know, a, a family with a blind child or a blind family member want to come experience your show and it doesn't have accessibility features and another show does, well, those four or five tickets are going to the other show. So you didn't just, you know, you just lost out on, you know, now with the price of tickets, you just lost out on a thousand dollars of revenue because you didn't want to create you know, an accessibility option for somebody that wouldn't cost very much to do in the first place. So this is the conversation we have. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, as people discover it, uh, you know, and not just, it's not just, you know, AD, there's accessibility like captioning and things like that as well, that that a lot of sighted folks uh, can, can take part in uh, because, you know, or, you know, people that are a little hard of hearing, that's an option for them as well. So accessibility to your point is yes, the more that it exists, the more people use it, and it's not just disabled folks that are using it. It's it's a lot of different uses that people are finding, and the more we create, the more the world's going to function with it and and really enjoy it. I think and, and find that it has value to their day to day lives. So, yeah, that's that's the hope is that you know we get the word out and and you know the more people use it, the the idea I hope and the why why I, I do these podcasts and why I do the panels and I do all these things that spread the word about it is I, I my always hope is that the more people that use it, the better it will become and the more money they'll get invested in creating good products. That hasn't been the case so far, unfortunately, but I remain optimistic and hopeful that it will become the case going forward. Yeah, I call myself a audio description snob because mm-hmm. I only like, I'm gravitating to things only if they are described because like, it's just some things are just so visual. And if I, I live by myself and it's like, if I don't have it described, I just simply can't follow it. And it's frustrating. And once this came along, it was like, hallelujah, you know, like I was so happy because it just felt like things were so catered to the deaf. And that's fine. I mean, I just want to be clear. I am glad that the deaf have alternatives but it's just like well what about blind people and I also like how we're doing this episode to educate society about it also because 
we do this podcast to educate society about things. It's not just for our blind community. Right. And yeah, well, that goes back to, uh, you know, the you know, as far as the deaf and the, that's the captioning that we're talking about. Again, that goes to what I was saying about profits, that this is what these people think about, you know, these executives and these producers and these television people and movie people. They think about profits. How can we put, you know, butts in seats? How can we put eyes on television? And the fact is there, there are many, many, many more, you know, hearing impaired folks than, than blind folks or visually impaired folks. So that that was always the selling point because if people live longer, their hearing is just going to go and people are living longer. So, you know, many, many, many more people utilize captioning than AD at this point. But again, so that's why I think the conversation has to be flipped and, and, and take it out of out of an accessibility strictly conversation. I try to frame it again more as a profit driven conversation for folks because you know using the example of the car company again you know if you if you had a you know i'm not picking on mercedes benz but if mercedes makes a commercial and you know whatever they're going to spend to make that commercial and they're going to spend to air that commercial we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars and to create an audio description track to go along with that would cost hundreds of dollars so why not do it if you sell literally one more car it's worth doing the track and you'd probably sell more than one more car because, again, blind consumers, they're very loyal. If you give them stuff, they remember it and they are loyal. And family, again, the families would appreciate you thinking of their member. It really would. It would it would move the needle. It would move cars. It would sell things. So um, it's very much that that's the conversation that, you know, the, the, the kind of the way I want to frame it and the way I want it to be discussed heading forward is that really drive that point home is that you're. You're just turning your back on consumers if you don't offer this and offer it well. Uh, you know, to your point, uh, Kimberly, it's 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 great right now that there's so much content with AD. It's exploding. There's just in the last three or four years, there's more content made in probably in the last three or four years than the previous ten uh, for for audio description. Maybe even going back more than that. It's been so much created for all these different streaming services. The unfortunate thing is the quality has not kept pace with the quantity. So when you say you're a snob for AD, and that, that means that you insist that it has AD, that's another thing I'm trying to change the focus on within the community is the quantity is great, but without quality, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. It needs to be good. And that's the next conversation we need to start having as, uh, you know, as a community of, with an audio description is you know, start demanding. You know, and then I understand why you know, for a long time, the blind community were made, and I said this, I've said this many times before, they were just made to feel happy to get scraps from the table, really. They were just an afterthought to your point. Nobody cared, nobody did anything. And so they're, now that they have more and more, they're just so thrilled to have. And I think, that they, I think, I think they think if they complain about it, it's somehow gonna go away. And I can tell you that's not the case. So I encourage the community, stop being thankful for scraps and start demanding the whole meal, as I've said before, because it's there, it's, creating a bad track of ad versus a good one it doesn't take that much more effort it just takes somebody to actually care to do it and so there's just providers out there right now that should not be in the space that are doing an extreme amount of work year in and year out and they're doing it at a very subpar level and that's the frustration for companies like ours and a few of my other competitors that i really respect is that we're out here trying to do great work and there's so much subpar in poor work getting through as well. So 
you know, that's that's some of the framing of the conversation is, as well. I think it's um, it's great that we have it, but we really need to make sure that it's, it's good because if it's if it's being you're, you know, again, you're watching it alone. So you're just taking, you know, the word that this is being done properly and it's what it's supposed to be telling you and you're getting the information you're supposed to be receiving. But we hear a lot of times from folks that are watching it with with family members and stuff. And, and no, that's not what's happening. That's that's wrong. Like, you know, there's a lot of oh, bad yeah. stuff slipping mm-hmm. through. So. I know. That's Again, that's true. just some of the ways they try to frame it. Yeah, like sometimes they'll have the character's name wrong mm-hmm. um, that I found a lot, and or um, or it'll be like the computerized voice, like the voice that sounds like Jaws, and that's all you get. And for some right. people, they don't like that, and I get that. Right. Well, most people don't like the synthetic voices. It's come a long way. And I know some companies out there are very committed to continuing to pursue that and develop that. So I don't think it's going away anytime soon. It, for me, that's, you know, I think it's a little silly at times because for, for us, at least the voiceover, you know, costs money, absolutely, to, to book a, a good voice of a person and get a good read. But it's Far and away, the, the most money we invest is on the scripting because that's the most important part of it. The scripting is far and away the most important part of the process. So, the the VO seems a weird thing to be worried about. It, it seems to be a, it's a weird thing that companies focus on trying to save money on. When I think the money, the, the attention should be if they would better serve themselves by by taking that energy and putting it on the writing teams and really getting that up to snuff. Then I think that the a the AI, the AI voicing might be a little bit more acceptable or palatable to, to folks in the community if the, the overall product was good. But when you have a subpar script read by a computerized voice, now you've just got garbage, you know, honestly. So um, I think that's a big part of it. I, th- I think a lot of that's another thing I try to advocate for is just the f- keep the focus on the scripts, on the writing. That The writers are the most important part of the entire thing. And I think people lose sight of that as well when they get they get hung up on on VO and some other stuff. The mix is super important too, as another part of the of the process. A lot of companies, they, not a lot of companies are doing AI voicing, and they're also doing automated mixes where they're just putting it through a computer program. So the computer program is is voicing it and it's mixing it and it's spitting it out. And yeah, it sounds terrible. It's not good. It's you're never going to get the same level of quality that you would with with humans actually interacting with the product with doing the the, physically doing the mix and physically doing the reads and the nuances of the voice and everything the ai has come a long way you know i would be disingenuous if i didn't acknowledge that that the the synthetic voicing from what it was five years ago to now has come so far but it's still not for for my money it's still not the same as a human voice and i don't think you know to your point most of what I hear from the community is not positive about it. So I don't think it's going away. Uh, you know, hopefully if the scripts get better, then it becomes, like I said, more palatable, but you know, it's, it's not great. I agree with you. I, I'm not a big fan of that. So how do the scripts work when you talk about scripts? Do you go by the script that is received by the company who writes it, or do you kind of like fill in the blanks? We write the scripts. Most companies write their own scripts. We, there are some. I guess there's some companies out there that would take on, you know, kind of do the. Most companies do the whole thing. They do the, the script, the VO, the mix, the delivery. They from you know A to Z. They they handle the whole track. So, that's that's how that works. Basically, how it works is a, a client reaches out. 
we've got a project for you. We say, great, send it over. We just go in with the, you know, hopefully the final materials. We, we're, you know, AD is the last stop in the process. You know, everything else is usually done before we get our hands on the material. So they send it over to us. I assign it to a writer. I'm very lucky where I have, you know, again, a handful of just tremendous writers in my, on my team. They're all incredibly skilled. So I don't have to like worry about who can do this or who can do that. Like I, I, you know, I have a writer just now who just finished up a really grisly horror anthology series that's streaming now. And then he went on to do uh, a documentary series about, uh, you know, Cleopatra that will be coming out later this, this year. And then he's pivoting to a fantasy series and in between he'll do a children's movie. So, you know, he can do everything. Like, all my writers can do that. There's no like one, you know, one particular genre that they work in. So we'll just assign it to who's ever up and they'll jump into it. They'll write the script at that point. More importantly, you know, and again, this is something that a lot of other companies don't do which is unfortunate and wrong. You know, we usually, you know, halfway into that script, I will have a conversation with the particular writer who's working on it and say, hey, who should be voicing this? Uh, and, and what I'm asking for there is a couple of things. One, tone. We want to make sure that we have a nice contrast so the voice isn't blending too much into the track because we want to make sure it stands out, not in a distracting way, but we need to be able to differentiate between characters in the show and the narrator. We don't want it getting confusing for people listening to it. But much more importantly, what I'm asking for there is, you know, are we are we providing proper representation to this story with the voiceover person? Is the person telling this story to the blind community aligned with the material they are voicing? And that is super important and something we really care about at IDC. We we have the most diverse roster of voiceover talent in the industry. It's not any close, in my opinion. We'll use 50, 60 different voices on our tracks a year. Yeah, we don't, a lot of companies just have a man and a woman or like a handful of people that they use regardless of content. And that's just completely wrong in our opinion. So we want to make sure if it's a story uh, about, you know, a black family, we have a black narrator. If it's a Latina story, we want to make sure we have that going on. If it's an Asian story, if it's a story about uh, the LGBTQ community, whatever the background of the, of the content is, we want to make sure the voice is representation of, of that as well. So, that's a conversation we have, and that's a really important part of the process. And even within our blind roster, because I think we're up to 24 blind and visually impaired narrators on our roster now that we're, we're in the rotation with. And even within there, we have you know people from different backgrounds and different nationalities and cultures. And we don't want to just say blind checks diversity. like We want to make sure we have diversity within the diversity, if that makes sense. So that conversation happens. We book the VO person. The VO person comes in. We do a live, usually again, blind folks, a little different workflow, because obviously it has to be, but for our sighted narrators, they come in, we do a live recording in a booth, and with an engineer right there, we do that with a director, me or, or somebody else in the room directing it and making sure that we're, we're hitting the right notes on that. We do a full mix, like I said, human, human person doing the full mix. Then it goes to QC, which is another step a lot of my quote unquote competitors skip. We do a full QC where another one of my amazing writers will give a full listen to that track. Or recently we've had actually people from the blind community doing QC for us as well. So somebody is going to put ears on that, on that track and give it a full listen and give me back a page of notes. No matter, and no matter how great a track is, 
there's always pickups, there's always changes. It could be scripting changes where we feel, hey, this could be a little bit clearer, or you know, maybe it's a muffled read, something. You know, there's always something to to improve at that part of the process. At that point, we'll bring a, a voiceover person back in. We'll do our pickups. We'll do a final mix. Then we'll deliver. So that's that's our entire process in terms of, of how you know how we get our tracks to air. So um, we have done situations where we've written scripts and sent them out to other people to voice and mix. Not ideal. I don't I don't love giving up that that part of the project. I, I don't really like giving up any part of the project if I can help it, because you know our names are on those scripts and. At that point, when and again, that's the most important part. But when that script goes out there and I lose control of the voiceover in the mix, which are hugely part, you know, huge important parts also of that end product, if those turn out to be done poorly, then it reflects on us, you know. So we we like to do everything from A to A to Z if possible, just to make sure that we're ensuring that all of those steps I just discussed are, are happening and all those boxes are being checked properly. Um, but other companies, uh, yeah, sometimes. I can't speak to that, but that's how we do things. If somebody wanted to get involved with doing audio description for a living, uh, what do they have to do? Like, what is required? Like, I know you said you have some blind people that work with you often. Like, what is needed mm -hmm. for that? Uh, which area are we talking about, Andrew? Are we talking about uh, scripting, voicing, mixing? What are, for voicing. Area? For voicing. So you need to, most importantly, you need to be professionally set up. That's a big one. You need the proper equipment. You need a good microphone, a good preamp, unless you're running a USB directly into your computer, which can happen. But generally, we, we find the better results with the, with the preamps and the, um, the microphones that, that go in that way. Um, it's not expensive. I'd say it's a few hundred dollars to get that part squared away. Then you need, obviously, you need a computer, which most people have. Uh, then the biggest part, the biggest problem we, we have found is the actual physical room uh, setup, the, the soundproofing, sound quality of the space. You can't be in a loud space. You can't be in a space that has a lot of room tone or outside noise. You know, closets work really well. Some people kind of build makeshift booths. Some people just have audio booths. So, yep. you know, actual audio, professional audio booths. So, Right. So, so once you get, right. So once you get the, the equipment squared away, you need a good space to record closets work. Well, people make, build their own makeshift booths at home. So that that's really the most important thing. If you want to do voiceovers, make sure you have the proper setup, the proper quality. Um, it's a professional pursuit. So not everybody can do it, but if you think you can, that's the first step to make sure you can present a professional product to whoever you expecting to hire you because they're going to be paying you real money so you need to be uh, delivering real quality in return okay. so that that's the biggest thing with the vo okay. um as far as that goes you know as far as you know train i know there's people out there you know offering training and, and charging people to train them to do audio description you know i find that to be kind of a waste of money to be honest with you you can you know if you can read uh in and say words back and I've trained, I, I have, like I said, I have like 60 to 70 people that I've worked with over the last five years at IDC. I think almost all, nearly all of them had never done AD before they worked with me. So the idea that 
you know, they needed to go out there and spend all this money to be trained is, is kind of, you know, I, I don't, I kind of reject that. So not saying that it can help taking a class or a course. There's certainly, if you have other areas of pursuit with voiceover work, you want to look into commercial work, dubbing, whatever it is, I'm sure there's, there's workshops and things that might be beneficial, but as far as audio description goes, uh, you know, it's not, it's not super complicated to get started down the path on. Okay, because I have done some voiceover work, um, and it's just for, like, a local, like, spot, you know, for, like, a commercial or something like that. Um, I did one in Spanish, and I did one in English. And my setup here right now, like, I'm using a condenser microphone, um, I have a, um, what do you call it? A, I'm trying to think of the word and I can't, I'm not really good with words right now. <laughs> um, pop filter. Yeah, I have a pop filter for the mic, but that's not what I'm looking for. Um, I cannot. I mean, we could talk. Word. We could talk off. We could talk offline about all of this if you want to. Yeah, can, that'd be uh, great. Yeah, just shoot me an email because I, I'd like to, you know, I'm I've been job searching. I'm looking for a job and. Um, right. Yeah. I want well, to find again, a way with, to with do audio something. So. Yeah. With with again with me, it's uh, you know I warn everybody, AD's been around a long time. It has. So there are people out there, especially voiceover people that have been doing this a long time and they are gatekeepers and they are, listen, it's a freelance, it's a gig economy in, in, uh, in AD. And there's, you know, there's a lot of work, but it's getting filtered to the same places. A lot of it. And a lot of these studios, like I said, like there's very rarely will you have a, a company like us that's that's utilizing, you know, 50, 60 voices a year? Like most places are using, you know, a, a fraction of that. So the the ability to break in as a voiceover person in audio description and get a career going is, is it's very difficult and next to impossible at this point uh, in real in reality, just because of there's there's people that just have a 20 25 year head start and they're not giving up the work you know they're not going to step aside and let some newbie in to to take money from them and, and, and their family so to speak so um that's not to say you can't pursue it and you should pursue it uh and and make it a side hustle and help make it supplement income but i tell this to everybody sighted or blind you know if, if your expectation to jump into audio description and, and make a living doing it as a voice or a person, it's, it's probably not going to happen at this point, but you certainly can earn like my, you know, again, my number one VO person, probably Sri Gordon does the most projects with me this year. I think she's going to wind up doing 30 or 35 projects with me. That's over the course of the whole year. So that average is what three a month. Like you're not going to, you're not going to pay your bills doing three VO jobs a month, you know? So, um, but, but it's a nice supplement, you know, that, that probably pays her rent for the year just working with me um or you know at least half a rent for the year so you know there's definitely opportunities so i would certainly encourage people to to pursue it just with a uh, reasonable expectation of what that can look like um as far as the other disciplines writing you know writing is certainly a, a, a desperate need within the industry there's certainly a lot of writing work available that that's a different pursuit there's different ways to get into that but um but the vo side is definitely definitely the most challenging uh, one to break into 
the thing that bothers me with audio described tracks is that the tracks can, are either very, they're either louder than the show or very, very softer um, in comparison with the volume of the show. So is that something you said that uh, you try to make things as best as possible? Is that something that you make sure that the volume is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 yeah, that's the, uh, the, yeah, that's the benefit of having real people do the work. Not a, a probably what you, when you're hearing, when you're listening to an AD track and you get those spikes in volume, like you're, you're speaking about, that's the computer doing that. So they're just feeding the track through a program and the program is just basically it's looking on the waveforms on the audio and when it sees like a dip or a, a you know or, or you know if it's an action scene the computer's seeing that that sound go up so it's just jacking the 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 track up and then you know bringing it back down when that falls out so you get those weird jumps up and down um and then same thing with the, the quietness is probably a situation where they're just laying the track in and that's the end of it. They're just laying it in and, and nobody's actually putting ears on it or even looking at the waveforms in, in front of them as a mixer to see, hey, this track is buried in this mix. So yeah, that's that's a that's a very common thing. Again, the mixing, you know, again, as a company, we get undercut a lot. And unfortunately, the stuff you're describing, there's one or two particular companies that kind of work that way. And they seem to do a lion's share of the product in North America because for various reasons that we're not going to have time to get into here, but they've kind of grandfathered themselves into a lot of this work and they are just not good at doing it. Uh, they hire terrible writers. They hire, you know, de decent VO people, uh, but their, their mixing is non-existent. They have no QC process. They're just not at the level of what we're doing or, you know, as a smaller company it, or even some of my bigger competitors are doing, they just don't, they don't belong really they should be out of the space so that's why you're getting that product and again this is when i encourage you know blind the blind community is is great at, at making themselves heard they have no shyness about complaining about the subpar material but i can i encourage them as well because a lot of providers a lot of clients that we run into they don't know the difference and it's it's either they don't know they're willfully ignorant or they don't care whatever it is but there are certain big companies out there, big streaming services that are employing these subpar providers because they don't know the difference. They just know, hey, it costs, you know, it costs a few dollars less to work with this company than it does to work with IDC. It's the same product, right? It's like it's the same. It's an audio description track, so it must be the same. And they have no idea. So I encourage the community when you hear an exceptional track of AD, one that you really think was done well to to you know talk about that as well because again people are very quick to complain they're not as quick to, to praise so i you know i think that would help if you got the companies that you think are doing good work if you put that on the radar of the, of the people assigning and and getting the work done that might help uh you know move some of that subpar stuff to the better better creators and you might help you know rise the raise the level across the board so um, that, that's something I encourage people, but the, the sad reality is, you know, of all of the audio description being created right now in North America, I would say 50% of it or more falls under that level of acceptable, in my opinion, because of these few companies that are doing the, so much of it. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for us. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for the community themselves, but, um, 
but yeah, that's a, it's a real thing. It's a real problem with, with quality out there. So what networks do you work with or how, where can we find the best content, which sounds like your content? Uh, well, we certainly are in the conversation. Like I said, there, there's a lot of um, really good content out there. We, we do a lot of stuff with Netflix. Our, our work is, is uh, a lot of it's out there uh, on Netflix. I, I can't go into specifics uh, of a lot of stuff we do, but uh, a couple I've already mentioned, the uh, Queen's Gambit we did for them, and uh, we did Squid Game for them last year, which I think is a, a truly exceptional track of audio description. I love the new the new one that just came out this week, the uh, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo, I'm going to mess this word up, uh, Guillermo del Toro's, I, I didn't even get it right, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, it's a horror anthology series that just premiered its it's Guillermo Grizzly. del Toro is like, a really great director. There it is. So. There it is. There's the name. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Angie. So, yeah, so he's got an anthology series out now. He didn't direct them all. He's just kind of overseeing it, producing it. It's an uh, eight-part series. It's grisly. There's some episodes that are really gnarly. And if you like horror, it's it's super cool visually. That uh, we did. A, I, I, I love how that track mm -hmm. turned out. That voice on there is a man named Ren Leach. He's a blind uh, completely blind narrator and that track is exceptional sounding it's one of the best things i've ever created it sounds amazing um as far as like not stuff like that we work on like we don't do any work with disney unfortunately we just we're not part of of that ecosystem but there's a lot of stuff i hear on there that i'm, I'm a big big fan of the um because my daughter like i said earlier we watch a lot of disney stuff together so uh, a lot of the pixar stuff and that so deluxe does a lot of that stuff and yeah. Uh, the Mandalorian and um, all the Star Wars stuff. That stuff is exceptional audio description. We have nothing to do with it, unfortunately, but it's exceptional. And, um, and you know, again, there's other uh, DVW up in Canada. They do really good work uh, across. I think they're with Disney, some stuff, and they do a lot of stuff on Netflix as well, and I'm sure other providers. So, um, you know, I, I would say, again, of all the clients we work with, and we work with a handful of stuff, I think Netflix is your – Netflix seems to be the best bet as far as quality goes across the board, again, we we do a we yes. do a lot of work with them, but we don't do, you know, they do a lot more than we do. So they they have a lot of good companies that they work. with. You can't work with Netflix unless you're doing good work. They will kick you out. They will not let you in. So those companies I was discussing before with the crappy mixes and the subpar everything, uh, they don't work with Netflix. They're not allowed. So um, mm -hmm. Net, Netflix seems to, again, I've been doing this for ten or twelve years now. They, they seem to really, really care on a level that, that is refreshing, frankly, uh, for audio description. They're really invested in it, and, and there's a lot of conversations back and forth, you know, with the whole Bridgerton thing a couple of years ago um, that, you know, we do Bridgerton as well. They, um, you know, there was a lot of issues amongst how we were describing the race of characters, and, and at that point, industry-wide, that wasn't a thing. You know, we were still stuck in the the past of, of everything had to be just very generic and, and you couldn't talk about the way people looked in any kind of great detail. The community really got mad about that. Netflix heard the complaints. They came to us. We had a conversation and, you know, they were like, Hey, how would you guys feel about going back and redoing season one from scratch and, and, and getting this upgraded and, and getting these standards elevated and continuing to evolve the, 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 uh, the craft of AD. I don't know many other clients that would have invested the money to do that. And that, that helped, you know, helped rewrite their, their style guide and rewrite their standards for how we approach these things going forward. So, you know, they've been a really good partner. 
uh, we certainly we've done again we did Game of Thrones with um, uh, with HBO, which that's another track I think turned out that track's as good as AD gets. So that's what I recommend. So okay. yeah, there's a lot of places uh, that you can hear quality AD. Um, okay. Certainly, I recommend ours, but there's other people doing great work too. So um, you know, I, I, it's important to recognize them as well. Like I said, because um, you know, the more work that comes to these kind of our kinds of companies, the better for everybody. That's awesome. Well, I just got a notification here that our call ends in 10 minutes. So yes. unless there's anything that we didn't add or that we want to add, Kimberly, I don't know if you have anything else. Another question. Do you approach networks with doing, describing their shows? Because I know I'm really frustrated that the WB doesn't have anything described. And I know a lot of people who want Walking Dead described. I mean, we would love to do The Walking Dead. I think um, I, I have a suspicion that that will happen. I don't know if we'll get to do it or not. I have a suspicion that 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 will become a reality in the next year or two, um, for sure. The WB I can't speak to. I've heard this many years now going on. Um, for whatever reason, they don't offer audio description. I can't speak to why. Again, most of most of the change that happens uh, in AD comes from the community. Uh, you guys push and push, and, and that's how the change happens. And then once that happens, we're, we're, that's when we get involved. Um, but, yeah, again, well, WB I can't speak to. I wish they would offer it. I think everybody sh everything should be described. So, um, But The Walking Dead, I know it's been a lot of patience in a long time. Uh, but my suspicion is it will happen, uh, hopefully, again, within the next, uh, with next year or two. You'll start seeing some of that get, get done. Okay, awesome. I, I love that show and it's so visual. So I'll just keep it. We at would that. love to do it. So uh, you know, hopefully <laughs> we get we get called upon because we would love to step to the plate on that one. But uh, that's uh, ultimately not my call. But hopefully we get you know we get the opportunity to, uh, to have a conversation about it. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for um, being with us today and joining us. It was awesome to learn about audio description and all that goes into it. So, yeah, thank thanks for, for having that. me, guys. And if there's anything comes up in the future, let me know. And Angie, let's talk offline. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate the invite, guys. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you so very much, Eric. Much. All right. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, that was Eric Wickstrom with us from IPC. This concludes this episode. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and learning about audio description and all it takes to record and do audio description for a living and tune in with us next time bye guys bye